All right. Let me hear it. What were your thoughts? You go, no, you, Oppenheimer. You first. You first. Okay. All right. <clears throat> if Barbie, if uh, if Barbie is a perfect movie, then uh, dang Nabbit, they got me twice. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I I just think to me, uh, this is not a good Christopher Nolan movie. This is not a good movie. I think it, it is the uh, I I sat here and I was like, okay. If, if one day I really was, you know, a full-fledged movie reviewer, movie critic, what would be my pull quote uh, for, for uh, Oppenheimer? And I decided that it would be, uh, it is simultaneously nothing like Christopher Nolan's other work, while also being the complete culmination of every tool he has picked up along the way. It, it is like... I wanted to just throw out there, and it's weird that this is the first thing I'm talking about, but the audio issue, gone. I, did, uh, I didn't have an issue with one line of dialogue. <laughs> well, to be fair, too, also, I'm saying that from the perspective of I saw – I did see it in IMAX. Mm -hmm. So it's like, to be fair, like to you, I think that that maybe had something to do with it, too, if, if other people were still getting the audio issues. But that's just like one example to me that just was so on my mind uh, when I saw this, that I was just like, oh, please don't be like a super dialogue-heavy movie and I can't understand mm -hmm. anything. Like, that was just a really big fear going into it. And so I was really glad that it was not that. But I, I kind of don't even know how to attack this thing. But, you know, to me, I thought, uh, going into it, there was a ton in the trailer. You know, it's it, the trailers are really just about showing you these different shots of you know the black and white and the the color stuff and it's all about the trinity test and then you see some stuff in you know you know washington it looks like some stuff in boardrooms you know different uh eras you know different looks for oppenheimer everything like that but it's really not until you see sit down and see this movie that you realize that this is almost a you know birth to death uh biography from from this one man's perspective where you meet you start with him when he's you know about 20 years old at university and then you go all the way up to uh you know the 60s basically mm -hmm. right before he died which uh that was another thing that i didn't even know after seeing the movie was that he died when he was like 61 or something mm -hmm. uh he died like super young but man, just all right. Just to go off of it, here I think Killian Murphy is on an insane level in this movie. Just the amount that is asked that is asked of him, both the size and the scope of the movie, literally, uh, literally the size and the scope of you know a lot of the movie is physically him in frame, uh, direct. Oh, just hit my eye directly looking down the barrel of the lens as well but then also within his incredible performance is this immense ensemble cast that is just absolutely delivering in every single scene every single line and to to just throw out the highlights here for me obviously emily blunt not much to do in the first act of the movie more Florence Pugh is in the first act of the movie. You, That's something, too, that I didn't know from the trailers. I thought maybe that was going to be, like, an affair at the same time situation, right, yeah. which, again, full 
full spoilers, full specifics here. It did end up being for, for one part of it, but I was very surprised that it was very much the Florence Pugh section, and then he met Emily Blunt. That was not how I thought things were going to go, but Emily Blunt, fantastic. To me, two people that I'm not seeing enough people talk about in this is Alden Ehrenreich and Jason Clark. To me, they they those two absolutely stole every second of screen time that they had, and that's saying a lot for Alden Ehrenreich because he is playing off in every scene that Alden Ehrenreich is in, he is playing off of a Robert Downey Jr. that said, if you thought I was out, you know, <laughs> Nolan just pulled me back in. I'm ready for my Oscar now. You know, like th this was the definitive mic drop of, you know, oh yeah, you know, he was in Chaplin and then, and then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, he was really good in and Zodiac. But, you know, I, I guess, you know, now he's Iron Man and, the, you know, that's kind of mm. going to, you know, I, I guess now he's Iron Man. And there you go. That's that's where Robert Downey Jr.'s legacy is. And then he comes out with this incredible performance in Doolittle. And then a couple years later, an even better performance in Oppenheimer. Uh, and jokes aside, I do think this is easily his best performance of his career. I think even though he does not he does not share a lot of on camera screen uh or on on camera scenes with Killian Murphy the tension between him and Oppenheimer that again full going full just to the end of the movie here that is almost entirely manufactured again i think a good spiritual connection here with this movie and Barbie of Louis Strauss is the character that Downey plays because everybody I'm more familiar with the character names here because just everybody is so good in their characters but you know that you find out that Strauss has pretty much entirely manufactured uh this resentment between him and Oppenheimer that Oppenheimer never really felt this way uh towards him maybe a little bit of just wanting you know the limelight or whatever okay real but, quick so um, I, I don't mean to cut you off no, you're good. I just I don't even know how to talk about this movie, so I'm just going to think. <laughs> I know, obviously, we. Th I thought it was great. Okay, I thought it was what, great. What did yeah, you? Sorry, yeah. real quick. What did you think it was great? Obviously, performances. Uh, yeah. Visuals, fantastic, right? Uh, yeah, the visuals I I thought were incredible. I thought that the whether it's the Trinity sequence or you know just the overall cinematography of the movie and some of the like you know, sweeping shots of, like, the exterior mm -hmm. locations and stuff, uh, I just thought were absolutely incredible. And I just really, I just, I loved it. I don't know. I, I thought the sound design was really, really good. The The minimal use of effects, but the use of effects and, like, just simple things, like even, like, lighting effects, mm -hmm. I, I thought were just absolutely wonderful and, and fit perfectly. And then I guess the last thing I'll just touch on is the score. Mm -hmm. uh, Ludwig Göransson again proving you know this guy is like the the next Hans Zimmer. I don't know. I mean, like it's just insane the amount of work that yeah. Ludwig Göransson has done in the past like ten years. This score, I think, it's the best score that he's that Ludwig has ever done. The you know just kind of like not even the the full like music. Mm -hmm. It's not even a lot of like full orchestrated music. It's like kind of like the tones and like the combination of sounds and stuff. I don't know. It's just it's just so much to talk about. But I I just loved everything about yeah. it. For me, per oh by the way, Barbie was five out of five. This also oh, okay, I yeah. 
five out of five. Sorry, I didn't mean to shoot. I I could tell we were going down the no, I just, rabbit hole, and I was yeah, like, well, we need yeah. To I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm right. Th- it's just so much to yeah, talk. Yeah, I'm about. right there with you. Uh, I thought this movie was absolutely fantastic. I was <clears> enthralled from, I will say, probably five minutes in, because I found myself it, just it kind of it was hard for me to get into. I feel like the first you know five ten minutes just because they kind of throw you in there you know it's like oh we're you know here at college and you know we're not to where i think we all expect the story to be yet yeah so it took me a few minutes to kind of get into it but once i was in you know i was locked in uh <clears throat> you know all the actor performances everybody's putting in their their best day's work robert Downey jr obviously amazing um mm-hmm. killian murphy of course amazing florence Pugh, emily blunt uh, Robert Downey Jr. Even people, you know, that don't have that many lines, like you know Jack Quaid, I thought was great. Josh Peck for what he was doing, he was really good. Benny Safdie, I really enjoyed, yeah. and Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett, yes, of course, and uh, and Jason Clark too. Uh, yeah, he was also. You know, and right. Tom Conti Tom as Conti Albert Einstein. Einstein. <laughs> the cinematography was, oh my god, the. Just the shots of just, again, just obviously the bomb dropping that whole that that just looked fantastic. You know, I can't mm-hmm. imagine what it would have looked like if it was CG at all. But you know, Nolan has been very you know he keeps telling everybody you know there's no CG in this movie, and you can yeah. definitely tell. Like even like those quick little shots that we get in the beginning of kind of when it's kind of signifying his mind kind of racing and moving. You know, we have those little like Adam splits and that, that, that kind of quick stuff yeah. where it cu- cuts back and forth. That stuff I just looked awesome. But I was also wondering like, how the fuck, like what did they do to like make, make it look like that? You know what I mean? To get that effect. Mm-hmm. The editing was fantastic. You know, never did I feel like, yeah, the editing was never really did I good. feel like, you know, too lost or anything. Like I knew where we were in the story and I could, I was, really able to just kind of track his life going through. And I thought they did a really good job with that. The mm-hmm. score, like you said, I mean, that score was hidden. Like when I said, mission impossible score was hidden. Yeah. This score was also hitting. <laughs> yeah. Just unbelievable by a little bit Gorenson. I mean, you know, I think the track is called Trinity. Yeah. <laughs> just the, the ramp up mm-hmm. and then the like release on it is just, it's in, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. The amount, you know, the like, what's the right word? I'm trying to not say the wrong, like the, the aural, mm-hmm. like the hear it, like the, or the, the aural, aural, like sensation. The yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, oh, okay. it's like, it's some like, like a hearing oh, okay. term, but like, just like the, like the, you know, not frequency, but just the sound, yeah, yeah. like just the way that like the, the sound in the theater was done. Mm-hmm. And I know in chat, I know Danielle is was not as big a fan uh it seems like of the movie but she said uh i think it's a do i think it's douchey to tell people you need to watch a movie a specific way theater seating etc like he said he did when making oppenheimer and then she said it's an hour and a half too long and then she just said could hardly concentrate on the storyline when i was trying to figure out what the significance of the black and white versus color i mean i think that's fair i don't know i think that's like if that's how you ended up watching it then i got i guess that's fair because like some people you know, and I think I think a important thing too is is how much of this movie is, you know, every movie is subjective, but really, truly, how much of this movie is subjective, in both senses right. of the word, because you know, I I think now it's known like the color stuff is Oppenheimer's you know distinct perspective on events, and then the black and white seems to be objective. you know 
up for debate of either, you know, yeah, either it's the objective factual accounts of what happened because of people that were in the room, or another thing is also a lot of the black and white does line up with, with Strauss, with his perspective. So, and then I have a question for you that I haven't gotten a chance to talk about to anyone because I don't think a lot of people even remember that it happened. The very beginning of the movie, the first shot you see of Oppenheimer, it says on screen, one, fusion. And then the very first shot you see of Strauss, it says on the screen, two, fission. Mm. That's in like the first minute of the mm. movie. And it's oh, never yeah. addressed ever again. <laughs> yeah. What were your thoughts on that? What do you think to that's me, saying? Just... And, and, is, and is the fusion, fission, that kind of analogy for the black and white to the color... You know, fission is more of the two sides, right you know, abrasive against each like other. Strauss and the whole kind of fission is kind of the, I don't even know how, like, I had it in my head and I just lost it. Uh, yeah, kind that's, of like, a, that's like the kind of stuff I just love kind of about like, makes you know, think. Butting heads or, you know, going against each other, not working together. Yeah, literally. literally. Yeah. And then, you know, with fusion, it's more it's more of like a collective, you know, it's a, it's a melting pot or something, as you would say, you know, we're working together to achieve this. Exactly. Like Los Alamos. Yeah. So th I think that's, maybe that's, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's good. Yeah. Find some I just, <laughs> I just genuinely remembered it right. just now. So I was like, it's just such a, it's just one of those weird. Yeah. I mean, you're showing that it's, again, just, it's have, never brought up vision on Strauss and Strauss is the one who's kind of causing that fission, you know, with, with Oppenheimer, you know, Oppenheimer's life, you know, obviously yeah. he has the that kind of hearing that that kangaroo court, as they call it, with Jason Clark. But yeah. also Strauss is, you know, gonna say all this shit about him uh, in front of this council as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I'd imagine maybe that's where that that is. I could be wrong, obviously, yeah. but <clears throat> yeah. And then another thing, I just want to focus on things that I can remember, just because there's so right. much. But another thing I want to get out of the way here is just what were your thoughts, kind of jumping straight to the mm -hmm. ending here. One of the very first, obviously a big trailer moment was the, whoa, oh, it's it's uh, Einstein, you know, with his hat Einstein's flying away. MCU One of this movie. <laughs> they have two MCU moments. He really is. Real quick, two MCU yeah. moments. What's the other one? Oh, yeah. do, you, do you not know what it is? And why is it Einstein coming when the car drives away and then he's there? <laughs> that one's one of them. And the second yeah. one is when uh, – Alden Ehrenreich's like talking. He goes, uh, Strauss goes, who voted against me? He goes, oh, so this, some Democrat. Oh, named, right. Uh, John yeah. F. Kennedy. And I was like, oh, yeah. here we go. You know, it's the, the big mic drop moment. What was his name? <laughs> Kennedy. John F. Kennedy. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Uh, yeah, I loved all the scenes with Iron Man and Han yeah, Solo. Exactly, yeah. uh, there was, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to hear what they were going to say next. No, but genuinely, I think it just goes to show to... Whether it's those two or Josh Peck or Jack Quaid, you know, it doesn't matter what you're from. It doesn't matter, you know, what kind of actor you are. It's like if you're given the right part mm -hmm. and if you're given the right script, you know, oh, oh, another person, Dane DeHaan. Dane DeHaan was really good in this movie with the I little just, tiny part I that he had. I just don't think I, – I just don't think I like his acting. <laughs> like he just – I think that's – I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I just – I don't know. For me, every time I see him, I always think of, like, Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> and I'm just like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, 
what's it called? A Cure for Wellness is a movie that I've really come around yeah. to liking. So I think that that kind of got me to like him more. But then you also have, you know, Matthew Modine, mm -hmm. uh, who had a, a, you know, kind of in the background of the movie uh, for most of it, you know, has a little bit of a scuff up with uh, Matt Damon at one point and then really has a big scene in the kind of kangaroo mm -hmm. court thing testifying on behalf of Oppenheimer. But then you got people like Casey Affleck, mm -hmm. Rami Malek, who Gary like, Oldman. you know, Casey Affleck, I didn't even know was in this. Gary Oldman, I had heard I was in this, but then I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I guess people are wrong. And then as soon as the uh, door opens, you know, to the to the Oval Office, you're like, oh, my God. I don't uh, <laughs> like, here ever again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that was crazy. I loved that scene with Truman. But then speaking speaking of the, the MCU moments in, and of Einstein, one of the first things you do see is the black and white perspective of his hat flying mm -hmm. off at a very far distance. Then at another point, you see the hat fly off at a closer distance, but still black and white in the middle of like a montage of imagery. Uh, and then it's not until the very end of the movie that you finally get their conversation and you really realize how that moment with Einstein, which is a real thing that happened, by the way, it's a that's a real meeting and there's that picture of the two of them sitting down at the table talking together like of, i'm talking of, of real life einstein and real life oppenheimer and uh but just the idea that this interaction and the fact that einstein walks away from it with this you know kind of sour expression on his face and the fact that strauss you know at first he in, when we're when strauss is kind of first giving the the narration i guess you could call it but he's what he's really doing is explaining it to alden ehrenreich when he's like you know when i first met oppenheimer you know and einstein was there and he was offering the, him the position and everything uh he just kind of goes like i don't know what he first of all also his accent robert downey jr's mm -hmm. voice in this is like so good but he's like you know i don't know what he told einstein that day but you know einstein never spoke with me again uh, you know, and he just kind of makes nothing of it. And then the more that you are with Strauss and the more that you hear him talk and the angrier he gets that all uh, this committee wants to do is talk about Oppenheimer, you know, just the I angrier think, he gets, yeah. the more angry you realize that interaction really made him. I think also that kind of goes back to yeah. the whole kind of fission thing where it's like, I, you know, yeah. he, he makes it more about himself, but also he's the, you know, yeah. he... I don't know if he necessarily has the power, but, you know, the whole conversation of, okay, we made this bomb, you know, now let's make more, you know, we need more, you know, we, we, yeah. we need to make Truman this. needs to know what's and next. He's not, you know, he's yeah. causing, you know, he's, he's causing that kind of fission within that conversation. Uh, you know, if yeah. that's the right way to put it, I don't know, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've, that just like kind of pops in my head and you're going back to that. No, but I think that, I think that yeah, absolutely, thing, I, I, I works, like you know, looking through that lens. Maybe they were talking lens. about something yeah. just a little bit bigger. Maybe, you know, basically saying like, yeah, it, it doesn't have to do. He with said maybe something more important, important yeah. than you. <laughs> yeah. Like, damn, that was really, that was really crazy. And then I love too, the, just the whole reversal of him when he does get denied, he goes, you know, it's not a, it's, what does he say? Like, it, it's not a, what is it called? Oh, it's it's not a sentencing. It's a it's just a denial. Mm -hmm. Like it which is exactly what he set up for Oppenheimer. So it just blew up in his face and then just kind of jumping to the end here when we do finally get uh the true conversation there, 
where you know earlier in the movie you you hear Matt Damon say who again I want to we want to talk about oh, Matt yeah, Damon too but um <laughs> you hear Matt Damon say that like you know are you telling me that you know there's a chance that if we do this bomb it'll blow up the world and like there's that fear mm-hmm. early on and then kind of circling all the way back to the ending here but a conversation that takes place very early on in Oppenheimer's uh you know life this is, is you know he says you know, all those years ago when we ran the the numbers and there was a possibility that we could set off a chain reaction that would destroy the world, and then he has that great, Killian Murphy has that great line to end the movie of, you know, I think we did. And then there's that just vision that he kind of has of the world ending. Uh, that is just some of the most haunting shit I have ever seen in a movie, uh, like, ever. Like, the fact that that movie just ends and they're just like... Yeah, maybe we did start a, you know, uh, irreversible course of uh, all of us dying one day in a nuclear holocaust. You know, enjoy the rest of your day. Like, that, like the fact that the movie just ends on that absolutely, like, insane note of, like, yeah, the world could probably end one day because of the actions that were taken uh, in, in this, you know, real-life story that's being shown in this movie so what were your thoughts on kind of just the very end of the movie and then i want to circle back to things you know like him in the gym with his you know kind of speech to them and his visions and stuff but what were your thoughts on kind of Um, the end yeah i mean we're i've seen a funny tweet that's like uh you know where's the post-credit scene for Oppenheimer? and somebody's like we're living it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and to see how that kind of you know that conversation you know, really rings true, obviously, today. You know, obviously, we knew it would, but that kind of just creation of the bomb and where we are now. You know, we have so many, all these countries, you know, are armed with, you know, nuclear weapons, whether that be, you know, Russia, U.S., you know, North Korea, any country. And to see how mm-hmm. kind of, I feel like there's always that kind of looming threat. Not maybe like there was back then. Um, cause mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know about you. I don't go around worrying that we're going to get nuked. Um, but there's yeah. always kind of that, you know, North Korea will throw out that, f- not yet. Yeah, North anyway. Korea will throw out that threat once in a while, you know, like they'll, they'll yeah. do those missile launches where it's like, Oh, we have a missile now that can reach the U S or reach anywhere in the world. Yeah. And just to see kind of, you know, how we are living now and, you know, that conversation leading up to now. Uh, just I don't know. It all kind of like worked for me and stuck with me. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that was, again, really great. And kind of Strauss like walking up and, you know, in his head, it's like, oh, they're fucking, you know, talking shit about me or something like that. Where it's like, no, it's something yeah. way bigger. <laughs> it's like he's so self-centered. Right. It's just it's got to be right. about him. And I mean, it didn't help, obviously, too, that he embarrassed him in uh, in that in that. I forget what it was, if it was a hearing or whatever. Yeah, it was it was the ruling on uh, importing isotopes from like the Ukraine or yeah. something, and he was like he was like you know Oppenheimer basically made him look foolish right. because he was you know Strauss was like no we need this deal right. to get the isotopes and Oppenheimer was like, Oppenheimer no, was like yeah they're not even yeah, not yeah you don't even really need them <laughs> yeah and I love that too that that the first time we see that scene. Again, the first time, we, again, with the black and white color thing, the first time we see that scene is in the black and white because it's Strauss telling that story. And again, he doesn't seem affected by it the first time you see it. But then by the time you catch up and it's the color, and also if you notice, a lot of the black and white stuff is like shot very far away. 
And then when you actually see it from Oppenheimer's perspective, you know, you realize, and the guy leans over and he's like, how do we do? And then he looks at Strauss and he's like, I think a little too well. Like he looks a little too angry. Like, and then that is really, you know, with the Einstein thing and the public, you know, embarrassment or whatever is really what gets to Strauss to cause all this shit for Oppenheimer later in life. Uh, just a quick question before Man. we move on, before we go to like that yeah. gym scene. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, we don't get much of Florence Pugh uh, in this movie, but, you know, obviously mm -hmm. when she's when she's on screen, she's great. So when they show kind of her 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 death, her character's death. I don't know if you noticed, and I don't know how many people saw it because it's very fast. Oh, I noticed. But when she's, I noticed. When she's holding her head like in the bathtub, there's kind of like this black gloved mm. hand for a split second, like holding her head down. What did you take? Yeah. What did you take from that? So I, for the first, I, I, I uh, the whole time, I don't know why I can't speak. There was just too many thoughts in my head. Up until about an hour or two ago, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just one of Oppenheimer's, you know, worrisome kind of, uh, what are they called? Invasive mm -hmm. thoughts of just like, oh, what if what if it wasn't a suicide? What if somebody killed right. her? So I thought it was, you know, maybe somebody either just connected to the government, the military, or like the communism stuff, or maybe Casey Affleck. Maybe Casey Affleck had somebody do it. But then my friend just a couple hours ago made me really think and was like, what if he's envisioning that it's his own right. hand yeah. because he's envisioning that it's it's his own yeah, guilt? Right. Yeah, I didn't even think about yeah. that. And that's another thing. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I like to think I'm I think about it from every angle. I didn't even consider right. that. And there's just so much I'm excited to, to rewatch this movie to see. But that, yeah, is that what you took it so as? So my initial him? Thought, I was reading up on her, like you know, the real life person, just like on Wikipedia, like a, yeah. a day or two before, and I saw that uh, apparently. Uh, it was ruled ruled a suicide, but then like it was also called into question. Maybe like it wasn't a suicide, so I thought maybe that was mm. like Nolan being like, oh, you know, maybe like I I mean I yeah. think it is widely believed that it was she did like kill herself, but there mm -hmm. was like you know there was thoughts that maybe it was like the government or something you know just due to her knowledge. See, I didn't even know that there was that real life <laughs> element. That's that's yeah. crazy. But again, yeah. that whole kind of. You know, that evasive, invasive kind of guilt, you know, creeping into his head, that also, mm -hmm. you know, makes sense. I don't know if we'll ever know, but but I just found that yeah. really interesting, yeah. We should ask him. Yeah, somebody get Noah on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I meant Oppenheimer. <laughs> oh. <laughs> is, he, is he still taking calls? No, but yeah, I, I agree 100% with that. Speaking of his kind of invasive thoughts and everything, I guess let's just touch on these, like, invasive thoughts and, and their use, like, throughout the movie, but obviously the main one is post the test, post the, which I thought was a really effective, tense thing. Actually, before that, let's let's go yeah, to that section of the movie right after the Trinity yeah. test where, you know, they choose, you know, you don't see Hiroshima or Nagasaki in this movie. Just in general, what are your thoughts on that, and what are your thoughts on the look of the Trinity test and everything like that as well? Man, I don't even know like where to, you know. I I've seen like a it's lot of just that on Twitter so much, where, or not, you know, not a lot, but you know, there's some people like, you know, maybe like, I don't even know how to put it. Like, it's not, it's di kind of disrespectful to the people that died, not showing mm -hmm. what, you know, what the outcome was. I don't know. At one point, I think I feel like this is a character study, and I I, I feel like it maybe didn't need to be in the movie, just considering. 
I feel like everybody knows what ha- happened, but like, yeah, I mean, we just know, I'm saw not it trying to Eternals. be like, you know, insensitive. You know, I'm not trying to be insensitive or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like it was necessary for the movie. You know, I, I don't know to be in there. Yeah, to be in the movie. Yeah, I agree. I I think <laughs> what I think the perspective is extremely important mm-hmm. in this movie. And we're never not with Oppenheimer. You know, when we're not with Oppenheimer, everyone is talking about Oppenheimer. You know, it's we're never not, whether he's in the scene or not, we're never not within his kind of orbit. And so to then, for us to then go all the way over and then introduce a pilot, or even if you just skipped and showed it, then you're just showing it just to just to show it. You know what I mean? You're not really doing anything interesting with it. You, it would have to be a foundational part of the movie, like built in from the beginning to lead up to that point. And that's just never where this story was leading up to, to me. And I think in terms of like, well, you have to show it at least to to make a statement on just how evil an act this was. And I've seen this on Twitter, too. I think the most evil thing I've seen in a movie in a long time is when the wonderful, again, another person, James Remar, from a lot of Tarantino's movies and everything, you know, who's playing the guy who has the list, the you know, the political guy who has the list of, here are the 11 cities oh, they've, yeah. or 12 cities oh. they've chosen. And then he just goes, well, uh, actually, 11. I've, uh, I've struck Kyoto from the list because of its cultural significance. And uh, me and my wife, uh, we also summer there. And it's like, like, that's the most evil line in the movie is we're not going to kill these hundreds of thousands of people because it's just so pretty there. But all right. What what about the other ones, though? Which right, one do you want? Yeah. Like, it's like it's just so it's like playing. It's like, well, they're it's on the other side of like, uh, of the map. The, it's like the whole playing God kind of aspect of it. It's like, well, which exactly one, you know, which. City? Yeah. Should we yeah. kill hundreds of thousands? It's like, of well, I can't see their battleship. You know, it's like a game of battleship. Right. It's literally like an an X on a map. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's no weight or severity to it. Like it, and and I love the fact that at no point in this movie is there a point right before the Trinity test where they're like, I don't know, guys, maybe we shouldn't. And like, obviously, people have those thoughts, and like maybe somebody like a Jack Quaid could be thinking that and maybe he was talking to his significant other about that or something but that's not that's not what we're watching the movie for is not those thoughts we're in there we're in it for oppenheimer's thoughts and i think one of the last things i want to make sure we loop in here is matt damon and so i thought it was really good that it's like one of the big lines at the end of the movie with jason clark is so when did your strong moral qualms start and i think the fact he Oppenheimer doesn't know when they started. He just knows that he was really excited to build this thing that he figured out he could build. And then before it was too late, all these people were dead. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the kind of Jeff Goldblum, the like, you know, everybody, when they realized they could, nobody ever stopped to think whether they yeah. should. Uh, it was just like, well, now that we have the bomb, we have to right. use and it. somebody who I think, uh, a character who has, I can't remember the one. I think it's probably the 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 bigger bomb line but two lines that i thought were yeah really great oh benny safty benny safty when he says you know until somebody builds, builds a bigger bomb and then uh the other one yeah when, you know <clears throat> i think that when it's they're trying to recruit him and they're like well why wouldn't you want to come work on this or you know whatever and he's like well you know 
you work yeah. for the government and you know they want you now but they you know once they don't need you you know it's it you're gone mm-hmm. and that you know kind of filters throughout and goes throughout the whole movie to when you know oppenheimer you know is talking to uh, matt damon and you know he's like well let me know like when you guys like you know figure out a, a place or you know whatever you guys are going to do with it and he's like oh yeah i'll keep you in the loop and then he just never tells him and he has to hear it over the radio yeah and i just thought you know those were two lines that i thought really carried throughout the movie yeah i i, I agree i think specifically that one about you know once your government you know it's about what it's about what what comes right, after yeah. You know, it's, well, what happens when they don't need you anymore? And it's exactly what ends up happening is they pack up the two bombs that they made after the test one, and they said, yeah. all right, we'll call you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and uh, I think Oppenheimer even says to Groves, uh, Groves Matt is Damon, yeah. Matt Damon's character, I think he even says to him, like, you know, can I come with you? Or can can I, you know, can you let me know as soon as it happens? And I just love the fact that they just mm-hmm. didn't. Because it's like, it just doesn't matter to him. Like, and then I love the, like, just horrific, again, talk about the evil stuff of, like, Harry Truman, I feel like you look at the picture of him, you know, his official portrait of the hands mm-hmm. folded with, like, the smile on his face and stuff. That's the murderous son of a bitch who won World War Two for us. Like, when he has that moment and you're like, oh, Harry Truman, he's a, he's a nice guy. He's, like, holding Oppenheimer's hand and stuff. And he's like, how do you, how do you feel, you know? And he's like, I feel like I have blood on my hands. And, like, Truman just immediately goes, like, you didn't drop the bomb, I did. Like, he just immediately switches into, like, what the fuck are you talking, get the fuck out of my office. Like, trying to take credit for this, like, incredible victory. You know, he's like, you think the people in of Hiroshima sit and cry at night thinking the name Robert Oppenheimer? No, they think of me. I dropped that bomb. Like, I was like, oh, my God. I just, I thought for the one scene, literal one scene, Gary Oldman was so good. And then last acting-wise, because I think we somehow hit everyone or most people, uh, what were your thoughts on the kind of Rami Malek fake-out and then the big moment at the end? Yeah, when he kind of showed up originally in that hotel, I was like, oh, is this all he's going to, yeah. you know, <laughs> is this all he's going to do? Yeah. It's like, I guess he really wanted to work yeah. with Nolan, And then I he guess. had that kind of, uh, you know, quick, maybe two, three minute, I don't know how many minutes it was, speech uh, at the end, towards the mm-hmm. end. Uh, and again, it's just kind of the whole, you know, all these, all these actors not having, you know, maybe not a ton to do, not a ton of lines, but when they, they speak, they... You know, they they do a great job. They show up. Yeah. Man. Anything Uh, else we we haven't touched on? We didn't talk about the schoolhouse scene, which I... I, Oh, right, right, right. As terrible as that scene is, it's my favorite scene. Like, it's just terrible to watch. Yeah, same. Yeah. And then we have to talk about the test. (laughs) Because we didn't talk about the test. Oh, Uh, absolutely. So what did you think of, like, kind of that schoolhouse speech scene? I just thought it was incredible, and I want to say Michelle in chat, yeah, earlier she said that sound uh, in the Oppenheimer of stomping of the feet in the trailer, yeah. uh, which that sound has been a part of those trailers since the mm-hmm. first trailer, and everybody, you know, I, a lot of people I talked to were like, what do you think that sound is? And the and you just assume, with, oh, maybe you know, it's the flipping. Or something. Yeah. I thought maybe it was like flipping yeah, levers yeah. Uh-huh. or something like that. And to have it be that it's the, literally the sound of the, – the personification and the sound of his guilt mm. of just like 
all these people are dead and everyone in front of cheering. me is cheering me for it and i am just like like laser focused and i love that just all the audio dropped out and it felt like every line that not just killian murphy was saying but that oppenheimer was saying in that like speech it felt like he took 30 seconds to figure out the next five words he wanted to say mm -hmm. and then would say them and just like was glad to be over with that like every single sentence that he said was like this labored experience and i loved the effect of the background shaking behind mm -hmm. him because that's really what you know kind of an anxiety or panic attack must feel like is literally that everything is just closing in around you and then obviously there's the more like haunting elements of of the vision too with you know seeing the girl's you know skin ripping off of her body and then when he goes to leave stepping into that like burnt out yeah. husk of like what looked like a child and the guy throwing um, up as he exits the the yeah, and the guy throwing up, like, because it, because again, and they say, you know, it's not just the people that died there. It's I, I, I want to say when Jason Clark is reading out like all the horrible things that it did when he's like, you know, and it's not just the people that were directly impacted. There's people that took two days to crawl out, and they still died because of the new the the radiation poisoning, and it's like it's it's not just like I love that that we saw the people who got hit by the blast the actual charred bodies and then the people who went on to live with these illnesses and then eventually died from them. Like it was showing all of that in this one scene. And in my opinion, I think that answered oh, the question yeah. of we didn't right. see Her Hiroshima because we saw he kept for the rest of his life. And we see it again with Jason Clark with the bright white lights. He is envisioning this happening. What would it be like if it happened to me? That's what I did to other people. And so I, I thought the scene was just absolutely incredible. Really, really good. But what were, what were your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I, I basically echo everything then... you said. To, fi to find out that that kind of that noise, like you said, has been throughout the trailers and everything is actually the sound of, you know, people clapping and stopping their feet and getting all excited because, yeah. you know, we just dropped this bomb and stopped the enemy, whatever. You know, that is uh, uh, haunting, I guess, to say. Mm -hmm. and just to you know kind of like you said that whole kind of i think he says like a few, i forget what he says in the beginning but he starts a speech and then he you know it kind of yeah it's just him and it's just him kind of staring at the camera and it, it is very kind of slow too where it's like they go kind of slowly from cheering to like then it's it's to kind of you know terrible things happening obviously with the the one girl with her skin peeling off and then yeah you know him stepping in the burnt body and then you know you also see it's not like everybody's not it's not everybody cheering when he's like walking out like some people yeah. are like kind of it looks like you know some people just you know got hit by a bomb they're crying or all that stuff but then there's some people mm -hmm. that are still cheering and i don't know it's just kind of that kind there's always going to be like there was always going to be that those two sides you know there's always going to be somebody you mm -hmm. know begging for their life crying for a loved one that just died and there's always going to be somebody you know in another country you know cheering oh we just you know defeated the enemy and obviously like you said that kind of looking at what he did but again looking to the future and what there will be going forward wow. uh you know with the manufacturing of all these bombs and stuff yeah i was just wow you really hit you really hit me with that one that was <laughs> the like there's always going to be two yeah. sides of one's a victory and one's a loss depends where you're standing that's yeah that's um, man that is so fucked that fuck, this 
we're all gonna die. <laughs> we're we we are just we oh, are it, we are God. over. Uh, Danielle in the chat said, uh, "Ready for the Josh Hart and comeback?" Absolutely. Between this and Black Mirror, the the new season, uh, he was so good in that, and then just um, immediately followed it up think- with this. Uh, Josh Hartnett is really, really good. I've in this seen movie. that uh, one. I forget what I was watching today, and somebody was like, "He kind of looked like Keaton in Batman." Is <laughs> Bruce Wayne? I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I totally see that. yeah, I can see that." Um, yeah, my yeah. my favorite scene of his probably was when he's com- he's trying to convince Oppenheimer to stop, you know, the whole kind of communist thing in the classroom, the meetings. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was, yeah. He was very, very good in that scene. So let's talk about the test, and then maybe just wrap it all up after that. I'll tell you what, man. That fu- like you know they kind of lead you up with you know the ser- I think there's two mm-hmm. tests before it. They're kind of just you know on a smaller scale. Yeah, and it's testing like the different sections, right? right? Like it's like whether the whether the implosion will work, and then whether if like the those big like what is that a hexagon, like the big oh. like kind of like yeah, lego yeah, pieces uh, that they're like putting together um, yeah I, 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 oh and i love the i love the christopher nolan comedy too by the way the like well what did we learn from that test that we need to be standing further back <laughs> like i love i love um, that that was so great i loved like i just i don't know about you but you know everybody knows what's gonna happen obviously that it's gonna it's gonna work but i was sweating I, <laughs> you know i was mm-hmm. like i you know is something going to go wrong? Even though, obviously, in my head, I know nothing's going to go wrong. I know it's going to, you know, we're going to yeah. proceed as planned and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the way... I thought for a second he might switch it up. The I way no know. one builds that tension throughout however many minutes that is, I just... And the way that Ludwig yes, builds that tension. was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we got, you know, Josh Peck on the button, like, you know... Yeah, we got man. Josh Peck is the button man. We got Bernard the <laughs> elf worrying about. He's like, oh, is it gonna work again? That's another person we haven't mentioned. David Crumold's very small mm-hmm. role, one of Oppenheimer's old college friends. Very good yeah. role though, because he, he, you know, actually, I forgot. He kind of does have a little bit more of a mm-hmm. substantial no, role because he also comes back mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, he very very good as kind of Oppenheimer's kind of like yeah. oldest friend, I would say. Remember when they um, like. Very enjoyable. This is probably his best moment when he's sitting in the car and they try to give him the glasses, I think, or the glass. And he's like, oh, no, yeah, the car will do it. They're like, well, what's going to stop the glass? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought that was was like sunscreen. What was that? They put on his face. Yeah, I think it was sunscreen. And then he turns to Jack Quaid and he goes, is it is it blended or something? It's like, yeah, you're good. You're good. Just those kind of moments. Um, That was was crazy. They still don't even like. Yeah. Alleviate the the stress. (laughs) Like, it's just it. No, not at all. It builds and builds until they eventually. Yeah. And again, that's another strong. That's everybody that's like all the ensemble that's in this. They're like. They're all in the movie, but then, like, an actor will be pulled along and then, like, have right. a spike of, like, a big, like, scene that they'll have. Like, for me, like, Matthew Modine is, like, he's mm. in the whole movie, but then at the Trinity test, he's, like, you gotta stop, like, fucking yeah. around. Like, if this wet, like, I think he's the one, like, bitching about the weather. He's, like, you know, if this rain doesn't clear up, we're gonna, like, this whole thing's gonna be blown, like, uh, and then he's gone again, and then he pops back up right at the end. Like, mm. it's, like, that you can track that for, like, every person, but... Everybody just had such a great thing, and then the lightning storm of like, yeah, let's 
let's keep the nuclear bomb at the top of the metal tower in a lightning storm in the mis- in the middle of a flat desert. Like, like I, I'm sure that won't be any issue. But I, I just thought that everything with that and then the just, like, overwhelming. And I saw it in IMAX and I saw it in the very back row, uh, which I wanted to see. I wanted to see it in the back row so that I could see everything. So that I could just take everything in and not miss anything. Next time I see it, I want to see it either closer to the front or try to be closer to the middle. But the middle is just going to be so packed for literally weeks. I just think that the look of it. And and people were like, well, it doesn't look exactly like the real mushroom cloud did. He said a million times, it's not exactly the real mushroom cloud because they recreated it with various different things. And then I heard, I, I saw this one person say it almost worked better. And I think it did work better because for them, it was the fir- they didn't know what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They could have lit the atmosphere on fire. It could have been a dud. It could have been, you know, whatever a real life mushroom cloud height is. It could have been 10 times as big right. as that in real life. They had no idea what it was going to look like. So it kind of really, again, that that bit of perspective is kind of the most important thing to this movie. It put us in their perspective of we didn't exactly know what it was going to look like. So what were kind of thoughts on the look of it? And then what was your emotional journey with the lack of sound? And then (laughs) the sound, (laughs) because I think going into this, everybody just had in their mind that Josh Peck was going to hit a big red button and then a mushroom cloud was going to take up the whole screen and we were all going to die in our seats from the from yes. the explosion sound. And it was very not yeah, that. They, they kind of prime you for that in the first two tests where it's like, okay, that, you know, they, they do they do the test and you hear it pretty, cl- pretty cl- clearly yeah. close after. But it, with the training test, you have to take into account that they're so far back with, yeah. you know, and you don't. And there's like there's three, three base yeah, camps. And you don't back. technically hear it till like kind of that wave kind of rushes over you. Yeah. And for me, it still took me by surprise, even though I know it shouldn't have, when they did drop it. And I was like, oh, are they going to just like not yeah, do, it, do in it in silence? Yeah. And just kind of and yeah. just showing the explosion. It, it looked obviously fantastic. But I jumped as soon as it like it hit. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> the <Yeah>. audio? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, oh my god. Yeah, you know, and because uh, it was so quiet, I had time. I turned to my mom and I was like, "I guess that's it. I guess they are just doing yeah. it." So- <laughs> <laughs> like it was like, yeah, it was just like, oh my god, like it was just earth shattering, and the fact that you got it on mm-hmm. each wave, like you got it with how oh, Oppenheimer right, yeah. felt it and heard it, and then you got it with like Damon, it and then you got it with like, yeah, like Jack, Jack Quaid, Quaid was like, yeah, <laughs> or like the guys on the ground. Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the glass was fine. The glass was fine after that. And just that bright, like that bright, intense light. And the fact that, you know, I didn't even think about this until I just almost said the sentence while even thinking. They show in the movie, and sure, this is in Oppenheimer's perspective, so the color stuff, you know, it's up to open interpretation. But the fact that everybody else looks mm-hmm. behind them, and Matt Damon says, remember, don't turn around until you see the light reflected on the hill, and Oppenheimer takes off his goggles and stares directly into it i just think i just i didn't even think about that until just now but it's just like 
he's the only one in the movie at least he's the only one you know that stared directly at you know their own creation kind of thing but that trinity test and then again the music all throughout that because when i say oh the movie's then silent you know there's still the music is still playing but then just the the absolute ear-shattering sound i mean i we've i thought that john wick's punch at the beginning of john wick chapter four was one of the loudest things i've literally ever heard in a movie theater this blew that Mm. away and and i and i thought that the theater was going to fall down when when i was watching john wick 4 this was like not even close i couldn't even imagine this movie in rpx like the the like an adobe atmos or something with this like oh my god you'd literally jump uh but all right is there anything else Uh, now because i genuinely just i think that's that's it for now what about kenneth branagh he was great he was great yeah i thought he was you know his little little thing that we saw in the trailer yeah he almost killed yeah. oh, him in the middle in the beginning of the movie. I know what I wanted to. I know what I wanted to say. Uh, how did you think of the way no one worked in that quote? Oh right, okay. I liked it because I thought. I mean, I can understand one, people being like, like eh, "Really, that's when yeah. you're gonna do it?" Yeah, but like the first one, I liked. I, I liked them both, but the first one I liked because it was like, in that famous TV interview. He's not like reading it from somewhere. That that's a that's a quote that he has in his brain. So it's like to me at least it would make it would make sense that he would have read it at some point in his life. You know what I mean? So I I like I just took it as like you know, it didn't feel like it was the first it was the first time he said it in that interview. So he probably did say it a couple times throughout his life. That's how I felt about the first one. And then the second one where obviously it's much more serious and much more, you know, everything like that, I thought was was fantastic. And then the last moment that I can think of that I really want to hit on, that Jason Clark and Emily, and, uh, oh, Emily yeah. Blunt moment. She was awesome. Where, where, where he just thinks that he's going to cut right. his teeth on her She's and she just, you know. That cares. is right. Absolutely. Yeah. When she grabs him and is like, yeah. listen to me. We have been through like more shit than this, and like you gotta get your shit together, man. Like, and he was just like, okay, yeah. like he was like, it was just I I, I thought or their relationship like, was, was really him, really know, like, good. Stop being a martyr for everybody, and that I don't know. Yeah, I, I know. Like one of the scenes that people are kind of like, eh, do we really that was when he's like older and he's like getting the award or whatever it is, and uh, mm-hmm. she oh yeah, shaking, and she doesn't you know, shake yeah, Benny yeah, Safdie's so like, hand. That's it yeah. right there. Damn. <clears throat> last last question. Uh, uh, this is more this is a normal well, yeah. question. Uh, is this your is this your favorite Nolan film? And do you think it's his best? I think clear and cut, it is his best movie. I don't know, man. I gotta see. I gotta let it. Gotta let it I gotta end. like ask me that question in like two years, because like I like to me, I don't know. There is just something, no pun intended, magical about Batman Begins and The Prestige okay. to me. Yeah. That I just, For- those two movies of Nolan's, I will just watch, I could watch them mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And the, it's not the runtime that cuts this down, because Batman Begins is like 2.14 and Prestige is like right. 2.40. So Oppenheimer is not much more of a stretch. Just to me, I don't know if I can say that it is my favorite film, just because two of his films are so incredibly high up there for me. And then I also obviously love everything else, particularly, you know, 
Inception and Interstellar, I think, are just fantastic. But, you know, then mm-hmm. Tenet, you know, Dark Knight Rises, not so much, in my opinion. But I think it could get there. But I think, to me, like I said at the beginning, I think it's it's unequivocally his his best and his strongest yeah. overall film. I haven't seen all of them, and I don't think you have either. But I, I do want to yeah, do no. a, a Nolan ranking. Uh, so I, w- I do mm-hmm. plan on watching all of them. Hopefully in the coming weeks, I could just kind of. What do you need? Insomnia and, and no, following? I have not seen. Uh, I've not seen following, or Memento or Tenet. I've seen all oh, the okay. other ones. You've never seen right. Tenet. Well, what do you mean? I've never seen Tenet. Everybody yeah. was like, "Yeah, Tenet." You know, oh, save the theaters. And no, I, I know, I know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just meant more so like I'm surprised we've never like done it for right. the show. Um, or something yeah no i but i do want to rewatch them uh for me right now it's yeah, maybe sure. right now again off my memory it's his best movie and right now it's mm-hmm. my favorite i think <laughs> uh you know for me up there is dark knight and also interstellar because interstellar made me like yeah cry like a baby like that, that interstellar <laughs> yeah so i again yeah. this yeah. is the only other uh Christopher Nolan movie that has made me cry yeah. other than Which is funny to hear you say that because a lot of people's, you know, or maybe not a lot, of, but a criticism of this movie that doesn't really make you feel like it's not really, a, you don't have the emotional attachment. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I just mm-hmm. really felt it. And then especially, I don't even know if it was like, I don't know. It was just like the, 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 it wasn't my feelings for Oppenheimer. It was like my feelings for the human race. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I don't even yeah. know like how that's possible. But like that's, I guess if I had to describe it, like that would right. be it. Which again, I do think this is a, in a very weird way a very spiritual sibling to Barbie of just like they're both movies about uh-huh. humans, like and what it means to be a human and what what humans' powers are. Uh, and the amount of effect that humans can have on each other and the world. And I think, if anything, Barbenheimer was the friends we made along the way. And, you know, to quote Robert Downey, Downey Chowney, part of the journey is the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Oppenheimer might have ended the world. And there we have it. Oppenheimer is three hours, but luckily this podcast did not end up being three hours. Uh, Let us know what you thought of Oppenheimer, Christopher Nolan's uh, newest epic, currently playing in theaters all around the world and in an IMAX theater near you, most likely. Let us know that and more down below. What did you think of this movie? Who were some of your favorite people in it? How did it make you feel? Uh, what were you, what was your take on the black and white stuff?